welcome to Chat EDT, the podcast where innovation meets education. Join us on a journey through the ever-evolving world of educational technology as we explore the latest trends, tools, and strategies that are reshaping the way we teach and learn. Whether you're a tech-savvy educator or just curious about the future of learning, this podcast is your go-to source for all things EdTech. So grab your headphones, take a seat, and let's dive into the exciting world of Chat EDT. and welcome to the first episode of our brand new podcast. Today's topic is AI and education. My name is Tyler Ellis. I am the audio video specialist and I am joined by I'm Christy Ballou. I'm instructional technology specialist. I'm Adrian Ellis and I'm the director of instructional tech and media services and we are joined here with our special guest Tim Wright, the assistant superintendent. We're glad to have you with us. I'm glad to be here. And I just want to preface all this with this is our very first podcast (laughs) let's say that one again again. and I want to preface this with this is our very first podcast so please be easy on us today in our first episode we want to talk about um, AI and education really what it means for our, our teachers here in Murray County Schools and some of the concerns, we all know technology can be a fearful thing. Uh, I think that's a lot of things that teachers have an issue with technology is the fear of the unknown. And AI definitely is unknown by a lot of us. So today is just getting into what is AI for our teachers and uh, maybe ease some concerns by them um, and go with that. Okay. Sounds good. That sounds good. Yeah. So let's start with what is AI. AI is artificial intelligence. And that is a way to create computer programs that can perform tasks that typically require human intelligence. And in layman's terms, for our educators and people like me that don't like those fancy words, what is AI, Tyler? Uh, basically, just a computer doing uh, everything for you. Like it. That's that's what we want to hear. And we use AI every day. People are using it already, even if you don't know it. Uh, Siri. Alexa. Google Maps. Yes. We've been using it for years. Mm. It's just not being called AI. Sorry, Siri. Just heard this. <laughs> there you go. They're listening. <laughs> well, and I think that's one of the things I think they think, I think some of the concern, and when I say they, even me, was this is something new, and it's not. This is something that we've been using. We just didn't call it AI. Uh, but we've been using it for years. But we've used it in a different context, and the way it's being used now is what scares people. It's being presented differently now to where I'm going directly and knowing that I'm using AI to answer a question or to perform a task, whereas before it was just doing it before. Even something as simple as predictive things when I type in my Google, that's artificial intelligence. Now I'm going to a website, I'm going to ChatGPT, or I'm going to BARD, and I'm inputting something, trying to get something out, and it feels very different. Well, especially, I think, um, and I've heard this, and I think it was by one of our, our co-workers that, you know, it's learning us, even though we've already seen those ads pop up on Facebook when you're searching something, especially when you get around Christmas time, those ads just keep popping up, and you've just had a conversation about it or something. But one of the concerns that I had heard was, you know, I put something in, and then it keeps learning it, and it gets smarter with what I need. And that's just, that's scary. So, the impact of that, I think, is the fear. That's the fear. I think I remember uh, doing a tour at my school. We had just built a 
STEM lab, and in the back of the STEM lab, there was this massive, like, life-size, five-foot-tall Connect Four thing. And I don't know why it was there. Somebody brought it in as part of the the room, the STEM lab. And so we were talking about it for just a minute. And that was probably the first time I ever noticed, really noticed what was going on with my phone and how it was predicting those things. Because I get home later that night, I'm scrolling on Facebook, and I get ads for a massive five-foot-tall Connect Four board. Not search for it. And I thought, my gosh, I thought I had my microphone turned. All these things you wonder about. You wonder, how does... How did something somewhere know that I was talking about that and might have a desire for it and feed it to me? And that was seven, eight years ago. Yeah. So thinking about how far it's come now, how personalized things are, I go straight to thinking about the movie Minority Report mm-hmm. when they were walking down the street and every person saw an individual ad on the billboard, on the glass, tailored to you, and we're not far from that. No, we're not. No, we're already seeing that like mm-hmm. you're talking about. Um, and that's the fear. Yes. That's what people are afraid of, is where is it going? Is it going to take over from us? Mm-hmm. Is it going to replace Take our jobs. Is it going to replace us? But we're looking at a lot of the negative, and we always do. When mm-hmm. something new, we immediately start looking at the repercussions and, and the negative. And like you said, is it going to take my job? Um, I have that fear in tech. You know, that's what you're doing. Is it going to take my job? And I use AI constantly, and that is a fear. But I think... We need to look at what it can also do positive for us. And and for me, being a teacher before, uh, the thing I see of it revolutionized in the classroom is that time. One of the biggest complaints in teachers, and it's a, it's a valid complaint, is they don't have enough time to do everything that we're putting on them. We are constantly, especially since COVID and the increase in technology and, and virtual and stuff, the so much we're putting on them and they have to do and the mental health now, there's just so much piling on top of our teachers that they don't have enough time to do everything. Uh, there's not enough hours in the day, just like a, a parent. There's so much we have to get done. And I think AI, if we look at it in the positive view, if we look at what can it do for us and not necessarily what's it going to do negatively, it can alleviate some of that pain and do these, these menial tasks that, yes, we have to do them. It's part of our job, but that's not the most important part. We're teachers, and we need to teach, and that's what we need to focus on. And AI can help us do those other tasks and alleviate some of that time constraint is what I'm seeing. That's, in my, in my thought, the biggest um, positive coming out of this for our teachers because that's been a life, lifelong thing for all teachers, no matter when you taught, is that time constraint. Or that's what I'm seeing. It is. That's what teachers talk about is time. Uh, whether you have planning time, we're all, when I taught, still, I'm working at home, doing things there. And so if you can leverage technology, I remember doing a great book on computer when other people were doing theirs in paper and pencil, and they looked at me like I was from the Mars. And I'm like, <laughs> it's that easy. It calculates my grades for me. I'm not going to do it. Why wouldn't it? I do those things? And so that same mindset you have to shift to now, and it's just a same story you know different chapter essentially and trying to find ways to leverage it to use it in those positive ways because there are some benefits to it from the teaching side and then there's some benefits to it that we can show our kids because this isn't going to slow down so how do we prepare them for the world that's coming and that's part of our job as teachers not just from facts and standards and curriculum but also from marketability and job opportunities and preparing them for that future. And I think we have a a great opportunity to do that in the time we're in. 
a lot of your problem comes in from um, knowledge is power. And when new things do come along, people are afraid of it. And until they know how to use it, until they understand the capabilities, it's just like anything else. They're going to be, they're going to push it away. Mm-hmm. So that's where you have to learn how to use these tools or you're going to be left behind, period. Because there's going to be somebody coming up behind you who knows how to use it. If you're afraid you're going to lose your job to AI, you're not going to lose it because of AI. You're going to lose it because of somebody who can use the AI. That's the And issue. that's, again, with our students. We're thinking about our students going into the world, and it's hard for us. You know, I've got three kids in our district, uh, different levels, and um, they all have different interests. But what I'm thinking as a parent on this side is if we are not opening those doors and leveraging it, like you were saying, Tim, um, we're holding our kids back. I'm holding my kids back. Um, so, yeah, AI does scare me to the parts that I don't know at all. Um, I feel comfortable with it, but I don't know everything. And it is a little um, a little weird when you are seeing those ads and it's tailoring to it. So, and I do worry about it taking on my job. But then I look at my kids and think if we are not opening those doors for them, like you just said, AI is not going to take their place, but someone who knows it is what they need to be worried about. And our kids need to be competitive. Um, I know we're a small district, and but our kids can be competitive and we need to make sure we're not closing those doors because of fear uh, because we're worried about the the repercussions are the negative and look at what it can do for them and it will like you said this is not going nowhere tech is not going nowhere um it's just like google when google and the web browsers came about and when calculators came about that was a huge thing at that time but now we can imagine our daily lives without it and ai is going to be the same thing this is not going away it's just going to keep getting bigger in five years from now, we will not imagine not having AI every day. And I, we're already, like you said, we're already using it. I can't get nowhere without my maps. Well, I can remember, and I'm dating myself, I'm probably the oldest person at the table <laughs> when we first got our home computer. You know, that was in 97. <clears throat> I think, I don't remember how old I was, but uh, 20-something, I guess. I was still but, in school. Uh, but, I mean, before that, nobody thought we would have home computers. You didn't think you would have a – what use do I have to have a computer in my house? Why do I need this? That was something used by businesses and corporations, and we didn't need that. And now could you imagine not having a computer? I mean, every day. Well, I mean, three of us sitting here at this table, it's our whole job. It's our whole it's job. Tech. Mm-hmm. It's tech. It's what we live and breathe. And I think that's so. where it's important for us uh, at the district level down into the school level to introduce our teachers – and our staff members to programs and things that AI can do. And it might be a program that we show them to do something. It might just be leveraging ChatGPT and BARD and other things like that to do those simple tasks, things that they haven't thought of before. Because the more I've dug into it, the more I've found, okay, this can simplify some things that would have taken me a long time. It would have taken me two hours to do. This can do it for me. Then I can go back behind it, edit, change, and I'm – it's almost like I've got the rough draft done and I'm just working on the final copy like we teach our kids. And I think there's so many opportunities, so many uh, different programs, things that we don't even know about that our teachers already know about. A lot of them do. So how do we allow them to share with other people, give them the space to do that, allow them the space to experiment with certain things and see how they work? Some of them are not going to be great, and that's okay. And so you find the ones that work well and make those available as opportunities to learn and we'll learn with them 
sometimes professional development is I can show you some things, but let's learn it together uh, in a collaborative way. And I think our teachers are hungry for that to save time and to make things more engaging for our students. And then that's part one. Part two is how do we then, not just for teacher use, how do we show our kids how to use it? Because it's there. They're going to be using it. Do we want them to use it for good or use it for bad? Uh, I think if we lean into it and show them ways that it can positively impact them, we can show them how to use it for good. Well, and we're already, you know, our librarians throw them in there. They're already teaching them digital citizenship. Mm -hmm. And, you know, when the social media, that that was a big thing with our kids. When social media came out and they all jumped on top of it, it's social media can be used for bad. It's how you use it and what your intentions are. But it can be a very powerful tool to have. And I don't think we need to ban, block our students from using these tools. We need to, like you say, to teach them how they can use it for positive and really increase and, and leverage that for them. It's not something, hey, this is new. We don't know nothing about it. Let's block it. They shouldn't be able to use it because we've had this conversation. You know, 10 years ago, we had it with social media. 10 years before that, we were having it with the internet, Mm -hmm. you know, so, um, it's not, let's block them because they're going to cheat or they're going to do this, these negative things. Cause there are, you know, there, when there's a will, there's a way they're going to figure it out no matter what, Mm -hmm. but let's leverage it. Like you said, for the positive and show them what it can and how impactful and uh, powerful it can be and teach them to respect the tool and use it correctly. Just like we would at anything else. And we're already doing this, you know, this is not changing the way we teach. We're already doing this. We just need to adapt it to something new. And to use it as a tool, but not use it for everything. Does that make sense? Yes. It's a tool. Yes, It's exactly. not the teacher. The computer is a tool. Yes. When people have tried to use the computer in every class, every minute of the day, that's yes. too much. That takes away from the art of teaching. Yes. Uh, there's an art to that. The same thing happens with AI. It's something I use in certain things. As a teacher, maybe I'm working on a quiz and I've got a passage and I want some questions at a higher level depth of knowledge. I can have AI generate that for me and I can preview what AI did and say, oh, I don't like that question. Give me three more questions. Make this question this. Change this question to this. And it will do it for me and then I can then use that as a tool for my kids, something that would have taken me a while to do to search and find or do. Go to teacher, pay teacher. I can go generate my own. And then make it my own. It gets me started. That's my rough draft. Now I've got my final copy. And that's what the knowledge, the knowledge of our, our job, our standards, our curriculum, our core of what we're doing, it's still essential. The teacher is yes. not being replaced. You're still essential. Your knowledge of your content is not going to go away. It's still needed. And you still got to know, you know, what you're supposed to be teaching at this grade level or whatever. That's not AI. That's the teacher, and they are still essential. They are not going to be replaced. Your knowledge, like you said earlier, Christy, knowledge is power, and it's with you. The knowledge is with you. AI is the tool we're going to use to make it a little bit easier to do your job. It's like any other tool we have Mm -hmm. that we used. Be used for evil or good. That's it, and we just have to treat it as such. It's it's a tool I pull out in certain situations for certain things, just like I'm going to use a hammer for certain things at my house. I don't use a hammer for everything. So AI is just another tool in my toolbox as an educator. And then I want to provide that tool to my students to have that tool in their toolbox as well. They know when to use it, when not to use it. Uh, They know how to use it. Uh, My daughter is, my oldest daughter is 20. She's a junior at UGA. 
she's a journalism major. And we had a conversation about AI when she was visiting last time. And I talked to her, how do your professors handle that? And she says, they know everybody's using it to some degree. I said, well, how do you use it? She goes, a lot of times I use it as a way to improve things I've done. I use it to get a starting point. I'm kind of having a little bit of block on this. I use it to get me started. Then I do it. Um, you know, I'm not saying something and just turning it straight in. And because one, ethically, I don't feel right doing that. Two, um, it's not me. Mm-hmm. You know, AI is scraping information mm-hmm. from all over the internet to generate this answer. And AI will natively have biases implicit to the information that it scraped in from whoever put it in. And so it's not going to be my voice. And I've got to make whatever I'm doing my voice as a, as a college student. That's what she told me. So how do we then say, okay, if I know these things going forward in college or in businesses, whatever, what can we show our students now that can better equip them to use it in a positive way and make their life easier, just like we're trying to use it to make our lives easier, more efficient, so that I can use my brain power on something else. On the important stuff yes. and that, that content and that teaching, which is why we're all here anyway. And I'll, I'll dare say this, building relationships with the kids. Yes. Because when teachers are stressed out and having to do so much, they don't feel like they have that opportunity to build those relationships and garner that with those kids. And sometimes it's hard to feel like you're making a difference when you can't communicate with each other. And with AI, they have that time. You can differentiate easier for the kids in your classroom. You can have it help you with making those questions and this, and then you have more time to focus on, let's have a conversation about the topic instead of worrying about all the stuff you've got to do all the time. Mm-hmm. Makes it a little bit easier. All the little side items that end up all over our plate, it kind of gets rid of those so we can focus on the main thing, which is the kids, mm-hmm. and doing the main work of, of sharing those standards with the kids, building those relationships with the kids so that we can have an impact with them. And as a teacher for a long time in fourth and fifth grade, I would have loved to have had a resource like this to where I could say, all right, we've had this unit. I've got these vocabulary words. Give me this, that, and the other. And it spits out different things. I can pick and tailor. I can even change it and say, okay, I've got these kids that I need to accelerate give me questions or give me an assignment that fits them. And I've got these kids down here that are struggling that I need to remediate. Give me this. I can pop in an article and say, hey, re- summarize this article at this Lexile level. And it'll take the same content that I'm doing as a fifth grade teacher, but I got some kids reading at a third grade level. It'll spit it back out at that level for them. Those are things that we pay big bucks for within a curriculum set. I can find things online to do that for me for free through AI. In seconds. In seconds. In seconds is the big thing. It does it so quickly instead of going home. I mean, I do remember I taught fourth grade, Mm -hmm. um, and I always wanted to have really cool things for them to do real world because that's the big thing, Mm -hmm. having those real world problems. And it would I'd spend hours every evening where I'm missing time with my family, my time with my kids. Um, You know, I had little ones at that time. So it was hard because I'm taking that home with me, but I still want to be the best teacher I can. So spending those hours researching those ways to to make my standards real world and really hit those kids where they need it and how it will, they'll understand it is done in seconds now. And it didn't take away my knowledge of the, my knowledge. It didn't take away my ability to teach because that was still the important part, but it gave me that time to spend with my family it gave me that time to come up with something good quickly. Um, so like you said, I can build those relationships. I can help them and do what I really need to be doing because that's what we need to be doing for our kids and not that time spent researching and the paperwork. That's essential to my job, 
but it's taken such a huge time away from everything else that I really need to be doing. Well, and meeting all your kids' needs in a classroom at the exact same time is the hardest part being a teacher. Because before, without AI, you it's hard to do that. Like you said, you're spending all your time at home, hours and hours, differentiating for this level, differentiating for this level, differentiating for this level, to the point you couldn't do it every day. It just wasn't possible. So you've got kids over here who feel like they're bored to death because they're above. You've got kids down here who can't because it's too hard. But you didn't get to spend three hours last night differentiating for every kid. Now you can do that this fast. In seconds. And that makes it, it goes back to the teachers knowing how to do this and knowing how to use that tool and understanding this isn't going to take your job. This is going to make it easier for you to do your job. You just need to understand how it works. You think about the kids now, you just hand them the phone. Can you fix so-and-so for me? Hook me back up to the Internet or turn on my Bluetooth and hook up my... They can do it because they've been brought up with it. Imagine what these kids will be able to do if we teach them and help them and guide them so they can use these tools in such a way that they'll just... There's no telling what they'll use when they, they get spit out when they have AI. Like you're saying, your daughter's using it. but She's using it as a tool. Mm-hmm. Younger kids who don't understand, they're going to use it just more likely to cheat because that's the easiest, most efficient way for them to utilize it. But if we teach them, our teachers need to understand it first, but then they in turn can teach the kids, this is how you can use this for this assignment to make it better, not to let it write it for you. And let's address that elephant in the room, the cheating. I yeah. think that the fear of the unknown is huge, and that, but that's for everything. That's mm-hmm. not just AI. That's... Um, and we know in the tech world that's huge because their tech is constantly evolving. There's new Google is constantly putting out new stuff for education. It's wonderful, but it's overwhelming. Mm-hmm. And that fear of the unknown is huge for teachers. But in the classroom and how it's going to impact the classroom, I think that issue is the cheating. That's the biggest topic and the biggest concern I hear constantly with teachers, especially ones who may not feel comfortable with it yet mm-hmm. or know enough about it is they're going to use it to cheat. Well, and that's kids are cheating already. They're gonna, as <laughs> yeah. I say, they if there's a will, there's a way. They they're gonna yes. figure it out. They're writing it on their hands. They were passing notes. They were doing all mm-hmm. kind of things. Kids are uh, inventive when it comes to that. If a kid wants to cheat, they're gonna cheat. That's just generally the way it is. How do we get past that thinking that everything is that way? You can always have people handwrite things. Mm-hmm. Oh my goodness! Come into class, where put the picture stuff down, put get a paper, away, paper, don't paper, open paper, your computer. Pencil. You know, right, right. Or today. I can, you know, be more and be attentive in the classroom as people are going. It's not something where they're going to be able to get it done so quick that I can't tell. But I think really teaching kids how to use things in a positive manner. I think when social media, I go back to 2010 to 2012, social media came on so fast. People, some people just turned kids loose with it. And you can look at 2012 as a marker of things where you see these rates of so many negative things, anxiety, depression, which leads to other things for kids, yes, that have just skyrocketed. And part of that is the nature of a new uh, thing like that, a new paradigm shift. But part of it is people were afraid to show them how to use it. Uh, My kids, they didn't have social media, you know, as they were growing up, they didn't get it until they were finished with high school. You know, we were afraid to do that. Uh, We didn't want them to have it. It was just drama we didn't need in our lives. And and I, I feel as a parent, I made the right decision on that. One thing I would tweak a little bit, and I, as we saw it with my first child, I wish maybe we'd have had a buffer zone where we would have done it and then worked with 
my child to navigate that world because you go from zero from not having it to having it. It's a wide open. It is. And so we were still a little restrictive about some things, but there were things I wanted to teach that I could have used those as teachable moments to help kind of slowly navigate your way into the world of social media and what it is. The same thing could be said with AI. I think we would do better to use it. As a teacher, I want to have an exemplar essay of what a bang-up essay looks like for my seventh grade ELA room. I can have it spit one out for me in a minute. That's, that's a, a perfect example of what I want your essay to look like. It has all of the things we've been talking about. I can tell it. Generate an essay on this topic that focuses on using these, you know, particular figurative language devices and blah, 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 whatever I want to And do. also develop a rubric for it and develop my kids yeah. and I can give it to my kids and say this is an example of what I want you to do now you do it now if I'm worried about them cheating and them typing in the same things do it on paper pencil absolutely but let them play with it. let them see it our kids sometimes don't know what a good essay looks like because they've not seen one they do their stuff they think it's great I was like, ooh, let me and, show you an example of what it should look like. And I'm a visual person. Yes. So you can talk to me all day about what things look like or what you expect from me, but show me. Show me that so I can really see it and see what you're talking about. Especially, like you said, seeing it with a rubric. This is what you're requiring of me, and here is exactly what it looks like if I'm going by that. Uh, but like you said, if they have it, you know, first day of class, you don't know these kids. You don't know um, – their personalities and how they talk or how they write. So, hey, we're going to do paper and pencil day. I just want to get a feel of how you, how you write. Voice. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And then, then I'll know um, how much you're using something else to help me. And I'm okay if I see your writing get better because we want it to. I mean, that's the goal. We want it to get better. But is it still your voice? Well, you it know, changes so. how you think of homework. You know, a lot of people still like to rely on homework. Well, homework – as an elementary teacher, if I send th- homework with my kids, I don't know who did it. I don't know if they did it or their parents did it. You know, most I can tell a lot of times who did what. So if I send a homework assignment home and somebody does it in AI, you know, I may or may not know. I can have my suspicions. So I may need to change the assign- types of assignments that I'm sending with my kids so that it can't be done on AI. Or the AI could only be done as a resource for it. Yeah. So if I say, you know, develop something that's not going to be where they could just go to chat GPT and say, write me a, you know, a paragraph on this topic. No, I want to come up with a creative way to do it. And it may change the types of assignments we give to try to stay one step ahead of them. I think that goes back to, to ask the question, why am I doing this assignment? Mm -hmm. What is the purpose of this assignment? Is it just to pop a grade in the grade book? What are they supposed to be getting out of this? And that's very important to be a question to be asked. Too. And that's a question we need to get back to. Yes. And AI is is going to bring up those issues. Is why do they like you said? Why do I need to send this homework? Do I need to send this homework home? You know what? It what is the reasoning? And really, what do I want them to accomplish and get out of that? Do I want the writing to get better? And is it helping them? Then absolutely use it. I mean, that's the goal. We want them to get better, and this tool is helping my kids that aren't using it to cheat. It's helping their writing, and that's what we want. Why not let them use something that is helping them? And getting to that end point, that end point is what we need to keep in mind. The end in mind, what's our goal for this? Well, maybe the assignment is use AI to generate five different types of introductions for an essay on this topic. Now I've got five examples I can look at. I'm not grading that assignment, but I'm letting them to use it. Now I could say in the class, choose one of those introductions and write a pair introductory paragraph. Then I get them engaged with it and I'm using it versus, you know, 
write this essay or write this paragraph because I could go in AI and tell it to write a paragraph. I could use the same prompt and get five different paragraphs. Mm-hmm. And I wouldn't, there's no way I can really track to trace it to know if they're cheating. And then I spend my time worrying about it. Use it in a positive way. Let the kids use it as they get older. I don't think this is necessarily a tool for our youngest ones. They don't have the full capacity <laughs> to understand all those things. But we can introduce it in certain ways and let them use it. And But then really for the teacher, how can I use it to leverage and do things more efficiently on my end and save time, time that I could be doing something else either for my work time or time that I could be doing something else, like you said, with your family. So I'm not spending, you know, two hours on a Sunday afternoon trying to prepare a, a quiz for Monday morning. Tyler, thinking on the high school, because like you said, you know, we're not too concerned with our elementary or lower kids using it too much. We really don't want them because they're not mature enough to use it really the way we want them to, no matter what we're doing. Um, the conversation needs to start, I think, there, but not necessarily the tools and stuff. But you being a high school teacher, Tyler, what do you see of the impact in, or maybe you already have used it there when you were in the classroom at the high school level? Uh, I definitely think it could be a valuable tool for teachers and students. Um, we didn't get to dive too deep into it. Uh, you know, we did use chat GPT uh, the last year I was in the classroom, but I was probably using it more than we actually were as a class. You know, I was using it to draft recommendation letters, you know, parent emails, uh, that kind of stuff. I know some teachers who were using it to help with their lesson plans, uh, but there were very, very few who were using it or even knew about it. Um, but we did use it as a class for a uh, three-act structure project that we were doing. So students were doing a short film project, and we used ChatGPT to you know, generate some ideas for them. Um, like we had it come up with three different types of genres for them to pick from. Uh, we had it generate three different props that they had to include in their film and then three different like random lines of dialogue that had to be included. So then students picked a genre, picked a prop, and then picked one line of dialogue that they had to include in their short film. Uh, so they still had to write all the dialogue, all the action, uh, the scene descriptions and everything, uh, but they did use ChatGPT just to help kickstart some story ideas for them. And then as the year went on, you know, if a group said that they were struggling to come up with a story, then I would just, you know, direct them back to ChatGPT just to help generate some more ideas. And you can really do it on the backside of things with high schools. If I'm doing research, use the AI to do the research. The, the grade is not about the research. The grade that I get is the project that I present, whether it's a visual project, a, you know, slideshow, something on the computer, whatever. But the research can be done, you know, hey, give me some facts about this or Give me some reasons about that. And I'm reading. I'm having to read it. You know, when it spits out this this long diatribe of whatever, I've got to go through and read it. And then I've got to synthesize it and use it to create something. So we get away from, when we talk about these, you know, moving up the Bloom's taxonomy or whatever, I'm having to synthesize and I'm having to create. And the creative part is what I'm judged on and what I'm graded by, the product that I get, not the menial stuff on the backside. I'm thinking I'm automatically going back to my days in fifth grade and doing projects and building websites and having the kids research. And I used to tell them, you know, you can use the Internet to research, but the Internet's like trying to fish in the ocean. It is so large, and I don't know where I'm going. So we would try to make it a pond. Let me give you a few websites to look at. Let me give you some books. We, books are a little more direct because when, when I would turn kids loose to research, there's no telling what they would get. Um, yesterday, somebody was talking about Led Zeppelin or talking <laughs> about music. 
And I said, oh, I got a funny Led Zeppelin story. I said, my mother loved Led Zeppelin, so I had to listen to it. I had to endure it growing up. Um, yeah, endure. 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 I'm, a, I'm a Led Zeppelin fan, so. I was okay, I was okay <laughs> with Endure is not the word I'd use. <laughs> I was okay with saying it. So I was, I had my, I was the instructional coach at the time, and I was working with our fifth grade. We were doing Google sites on uh, fifth grade social studies topics, and one group had turn of the century immigration, turn of the 19th to 20th century immigration, uh, <laughs> just to clarify. And so they had researched these things. We had books. We had th- So I'm reading through their things, and I get information about, oh, the immigrants did this, the immigrants did that when they came to New York. And when the immigrants came, they sang this song, and they copied and pasted the immigrant song from Led Zeppelin into their website as if all these immigrants were singing, you know, come from the land of the ice and snow. And I remember thinking, oh, my gosh, uh, the Internet is so wide and vast. Had I had this tool, I could have went in and said, okay, give me, you know, facts. Give me bullet points about different immigrants. From different, and then given that to them to let them read it on their own, synthesize it, use it, and then create something where I wouldn't have had, you know, the immigrant song uh, <laughs> in the thing about that. So simple things like that to where it can really narrow down the focus to do research at any level. But I really think about high school and the amount of, we want them to produce things. We want them to create things. We want them to evaluate things yeah. uh, to be able to learn and grow with those higher levels of knowledge than just giving me basic facts. It's time for us to wrap this up, but just to build upon that, when you're talking about their learn how to synthesize it, they're learning as they're using the AI. Yes. They're realizing, hey, that immigrant song is not right. What <laughs> words, what keywords do I need to use in this AI tool to make sure I'm getting the correct thing? That's what we're wanting kids to think. We're wanting them to think really hard and de- in depth of what we're learning. And they're doing it by just asking AI those questions. What question, what words am I going to have to tell AI to get the correct feedback from it? And no, that wasn't right. Because I do that often. No, that's not what I meant. And then I have to really think about what I'm wanting, what my job, what I, my audience is, and tell AI that again. So I'm really thinking hard about what I'm trying to do. And that's what we want our kids doing anyway. So I think just using AI, if they're using it right mm-hmm. and not using it to cheat, they're learning by using it because they're really having to think of what what do I need AI to tell me, to do for me. i got to learn those words and how to do that. So, so I think what you said earlier was, was very important when you're talking about getting to know your kids. Mm-hmm. And the more I know my kids and their voice – how they write, I can spot. I did it when I did home when the mm-hmm. kids did homework and the parents mm-hmm. did it. I knew Mama wrote that, yep. you know, because that ain't their voice. Or I knew when they used uh, what was it math, that uh, picture the math pictures program. That oh, they the used. app, photo they, math. Yeah, yes. photo math. I knew when they used photo math. I'm like, okay, why'd you do that there? I don't know. I don't know. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> yeah, and talking about explain it. Mm-hmm. How did you get that? Mm-hmm. Tell me, you know, this looks great. This was a great report. Tell me something about it. That, again, takes that that conversation with your kid that you need to be having. Mm-hmm. You get to know these kids, but you're also doing a little investigation of, did they write it? Can they talk about this? And there you go. If they can, great. But go beyond that basic knowledge yeah. of things. And I think this allows us, you know, the, the age-old question was, when I was in school, why do I need to learn how to do these things? I, you know, I have a, I, I could put it in a calculator. Well, you're not going to have a calculator with you all the time. Well, now I do. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I so uh, I've got, I can think about this picture, this meme I see where it's this person standing at a desk and they've got every electronic possible mm-hmm. holding it, looking at it, radios to computers. And it's like, I've got this in my pocket now. Mm-hmm. 
I can use it. So it's going to be used. How can I allow them to use it? But then question them, ask them things, ask them to dig deeper and to tell me something about it. If I want to find out if a kid cheated, I can just ask and I can pretty quickly find out their knowledge level about it. But that's what we want because in a workplace, that's what we do is we talk about things and we, we dig into things deeper. We ask those questions that require more from us because now if I have a question, I'll just ask Siri. I was waiting on somebody's phone. <laughs> um, I'll just, you know, or I can just look it up. My, let me look it up real quick. Mm-hmm. We were sitting at the lunch table. Hey, when was this song come out? Everybody made their predictions. We looked it up. Boom. That's, that's basic knowledge. Yeah. If I want to talk about the song, if I want to talk about the immigrant deeper, song, a little bit more questions. I got to dig into it a little deeper. I can have a, I can have chat GT tell me to, you know, synthesize the immigrant song and tell me the implications of what Led Zeppelin was getting at, or I can have a discussion with my kids. And a, have meaningful a meaningful discussion. meaningful discussion. And that does go discussion. back to that, why are we doing this? Because yes. the kid, the students more now are asking, what's the point? Why am I doing this? What's the point? And like we said, we're using it to make our lives easier. They need to be able to use it to make their lives easier so you can have those deeper discussions and talk about the things that really matter instead of just being in that shallow, those shallow waters doing the menial things that, why? Why shouldn't they make it? with something that helps them. And that's how we can get our kids beyond basic levels of knowledge of things. And like, we're always talking, how can I help my kids get from a two to a three or from a three to a four on milestones? Or how can I get them, you know, above average on certain things? And part of that is the depth that we discuss things, the types of things we ask them to do beyond just basic rote things, because those things can be done for me now. And they've always been done for us. Yes. AI is not making that new. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Okay, our next episode coming up. Um, how do I say that? Stop that. Um, On the next episode of the Three Techniteers. <laughs> how about you, Tyler? You take over. You've been quiet. On the next episode, we'll do a deeper dive into some AI applications for teachers, administrators, and even students. We'll also talk about policies and the best methods for implementing AI into your classroom. Thanks for listening. They're all looking at me like I need to do some sort of outro final statement. So I just, I'll just borrow from Ron Burgundy and stay classy, Murray County. <laughs>